Ready. All right, welcome to Social Slaughter and welcome to the Slaughter House. Um, this is our first episode where I actually have a microphone and I have cool sound effects. One of my favorite one is. I can also talk. Like an alien. That is so much fun. So yeah, it's kind of weird too hearing the alien voice in the mic and the headset when you can still hear your normal voice as well. But we're going to totally check it out today. I have a cat. I have a machine gun. I have... Boxing? Kissing? And my favorite... Oh yeah, you got the question right. But no, so today we are opening up our session. I know it's been two weeks since I've had an episode because, uh, guess what? Um, I've been trying to have a baby. I've been trying to have a baby, but that baby does not seem to want to, you know, come and join the world yet. Um, also, last week was kind of scary because we all caught COVID, um, and it seems no matter how much you mass vaccinated with this Omicron variant, you're going to get COVID. And um, when you get COVID, you can't have a home birth because there's concerns for the mother until she's over the symptoms. And we do what's called a home birth, where a midwife comes, delivers the baby at home. It's a lot more relaxing. Actually, believe it or not, it's a lot safer than a hospital because you're giving birth in a natural state. We'll talk about that in a future episode when we get to the, you know, medical birthing ideologies of the world. But yeah, so, hi, hello, welcome back. I am so excited. I'm going to be posting two episodes this week. We'll hopefully have one out by Friday as well. But hey, welcome. Glad to hopefully you guys hear my voice and it sounds so much better and all of my breathing sounds have disappeared. I can almost do the voice without the sound effects. Yeah, too much fun. Love it. So today's topic is um, what we're learning in education right now, because I've had some very, very concerning things actually um, brought up this week at my house and within um, my teaching. Uh, And it's kind of scary. It worries me a lot. Um, First off, I feel like one of the phrases you shouldn't say when I say who is the Black Panther Party and all people can say is it's a movie title. They don't actually know who it is. Um, and you show a picture of the Little Rock Nine and Ruby Bridges, and nobody has any idea who they are. And they're uh, juniors in high school. So that's concerning, right? Very concerning. Um, it means that we are not educating our children <laughs> to know about the different races, to learn about how we had this thing that was an atrocity back in the, you know, the early times of the United States history, which was called slavery. And how we fought this big, huge war, but it still took 100 years to overcome that prejudice, that bias, and racism. And it wasn't until literally, I believe, 1968 that we passed the Civil Rights Bill to enforce the 13th, the 14th, and the 15th Amendment. So, um, what are we teaching if kids don't know about civil rights by the time they're 17 years old? Like, that's, that's a bit concerning in itself. Um, I remember asking my students, like, what do you know? And they're like, they know that Martin Luther King had a dream. And that's the extent of their knowledge. Um, they really don't know much more past that. And that's very, very concerning for me. Um, the other issue brought up this week was by my third grader. Um, she came home one day and she was asking me a question while I was tucking her in at night. And she was like, hey, daddy, um, why do 
Indians complain so much if when they had reservations, they got everything they needed from the government. And I was like, say what? She was like, yeah, they got everything they needed from the government when they were put on reservations. And I was like, I'm sorry, but they actually didn't get everything. They lacked food. They lacked resources, hospitals, schools, um, funding for, you know, development. And she sat there and she's like, but, but my Scholastics Weekly told me that they got everything they needed when they were on reservations. And I'm like, I'm sorry, baby, but that's, that's not true. And I brought this up with my students, and I remember one girl raised her hand, and she said, yeah, I, um, I had an old history book from eighth grade, and my stepdad picked it up, and he started to read it one day, because I still had it, and he was saying, you know, half the stuff in here isn't true. And I'm looking, and I'm thinking, what, what are we teaching in our schools? Maybe this is the reason why. I don't know if you guys know this, but it's uh, factual to know that there are only 32 accredited Native American colleges in the United States. And out of those 32, I believe 10 of them have bachelor programs or higher. That means that the majority of schools for Native Americans and for their communities don't have higher education. They have tech schools. They have community colleges. And only 4% of all Native Americans that go to college actually graduate <laughs> that makes no sense to me whatsoever and another 49 percent graduate from high school that means we have 51 percent of native american students dropping out and i feel like that might be because we're not learning about who they are we aren't educated we don't have information to know their culture know who they are um in my readings that i've had to do for my doctoral program of I found that um, many Native Americans are labeled as having learning disabilities, even though it's actually just cultural issues that they have within schools that the schools don't understand. And you got to realize, assimilation of Native Americans started back in the 1880s and kept going until the 1960s, 1970s. So there's a deep-rooted division between Native Americans and the education system. And I feel like if we're teaching that Native Americans got everything they wanted on reservations, people are coming out of school with very biased opinions that aren't true towards Native Americans. You know, Native Americans have to fight for their own rights, especially here in the state of Oklahoma. You know, right now, them and the governor have been in epic battle after epic battle just to get the rights that are truly theirs. So it makes me wonder, what? Why are we teaching the way we're teaching? This developed curriculum makes it look like the America, you know, United States government and everything said, yeah, we screwed up back then. It's just then. We, we, we don't have to worry about it now. But in reality, we are still facing the trauma and the impacts that took place back in the 1800s. It's crazy. It's like how our whole entire world was, you know, scoped by World War One. Because we know World War One leads to World War Two, which leads to the Cold War, which leads to the nuclear war that, you know, almost happened that destroyed the entire Earth to the division of so many countries inside the world. How all these events are so connected. You know, it's like you knock one domino down from history and you can see how we can draw a clear, straight line to events that have happened within the last 10 years. That makes me worry.
sorry about my cough. I am getting over a cold called COVID, but I don't have it anymore. Got tested, good stuff. But this is what worries me, is that we're teaching history like it all happened back then. And it's not impacting us now. It's not affecting us. It's not our problem. I've had so many students who say, hey, you know what? I, I don't think that um, we need to worry about history because um, I wasn't alive when it happened. I wasn't alive at all. So I don't know why it should be a big major concern. But then again, I had a kid yesterday. He said, Mr. Slaughter, you realize that I'm like four grandpas away from being at the Revolutionary War. I'm like, that's probably true, because, you know, if your grandpa's 80 years old, and then his grandpa was 80 years old before that, and then you have another 80-year-old grandpa, that's 160, 240. Yeah, we're back at the Revolutionary War. And he's like, that's really not that long ago. It's like, yeah. We're one of the youngest nations in the history of the world. The Roman Empire ruled for thousands of years. We've had dynasties in Japan and China that lasted for lot longer than the United States has ever been around. We're, we're, we're a baby compared to civilizations. And but he said, look how long it's taken to change things. He's like, we had a civil war and it took 100 years to have those laws and those bills enacted, to put in place, to actually be enforced. He's like, we still have racism. Like, what's happening? Why is it taking so long for changes to happen? And a girl brought up a very good point. She's like, because the people that were racist back in the 1960s, they're still alive. The people that had prejudice, had bias, you know, the people that went through the trauma that built the mistrust, they still exist. Like, we still have that trauma very much alive here in the United States still today. Now, I'm just saying, my kids are smart. They're coming up with that. Like, they're seeing, they're realizing, they're saying, hey, this isn't right. This isn't, you know, how it's supposed to be, right? Like, yeah, that's a valid point. And then you have another student who says, hey, we've come so far, though. We don't have slavery anymore. I'm like, valid point, valid point indeed. And then I say, but does racism still exist? And he's like, but not as much. I'm like, but does it still exist? Because the thing we can't get is what we call comfortable. And I think I've said this before in an earlier cast. We can't get comfortable with the idea of, oh, it's, it's good enough. This is as good as it's going to get. We've come far enough. We can't be happy with that. We can't be satisfied until racism doesn't exist anymore. You know, they came up with these words like, you know, anti-Semitism, which was, you know, racism towards Jews. We have assimilation where we took Native Americans and took away their cultures. I'm hoping someday those words that we had to come up with to define racism towards a specific culture, a specific race, that one day we can replace them with words that mean we've ended those things. Or we can have a word that means... Racism is done. Or we can have a word that means prejudice doesn't exist. Like, I, I hope that we're, as a country, going to be able to unite behind that cause. Because that's a big struggle we have. We have so many students, so many families, so many politicians that are so divided. 
because they think I'm Republican, I have to think this way. I'm Democrat, I have to think this way. They think because you're a Republican, I can't talk to you. Because you're a Democrat, I can't talk to you. We need to solve this because if we're still teaching in our schools that reservations were fully funded and Native Americans were taken care of, if we're still teaching in our schools not about what happened during the Civil Rights Movement, there is a problem. And that needs to be fixed. And I think this is something that a lot of people haven't realized. All right? I realize this is a big thing. And maybe that's why we're trying to regulate, you know, what we teach in schools. Like, in the state of Oklahoma, we have to deal with what's called House Bill 1775 that says, hey, guess what? You may not teach in your classroom a historical event that shows a superior race or a superior gender. Remember the first time I said that to my students? They said, but isn't that, like, all of history? I'm like, that's a big chunk of it. You know, like, in a lot of days, you know, you had superior races that believed they were the best, and they should, you know, you had Hitler. Like, I can't technically teach about Hitler in my own classroom without a fear of being sued. Because Hitler believed in a superior race. He believed in blonde-haired, blue-eyes, white supremacy. But you can't teach that, because it may make a student feel bad. I can't teach about how white culture massacred Native Americans. Because why? It may make somebody feel bad. And my student made a great point. He's like, if you don't teach us this stuff, we're going to repeat it. I'm like, yeah. Like, that's a very truthful thing. There's going to be great division between our races if we don't teach how to overcome that, how to make the world a better place. Like, we have a bill that exists inside the state of Oklahoma that says you can't teach that. We can't teach how women gained the right to vote in 1921 and how they still had to fight for rights all the way up to um, now. Women still get paid less than men do in the workplace. Women get passed over for jobs based on their gender, which we have laws that say we shall not discriminate upon gender, but it happens. That is a problem. And if we're teaching in our schools that we can't teach these things, we can't learn from our past, we can't work to get better, we have a problem. That is a big problem. We also have today, um, there's a new bill being passed in our legislation that pretty much says now all teachers who make a student feel bad about their religion can be fined and sued for $10,000. But there's no definition of what it means. Like, if I teach in a world history class about how the, you know, crusades of Christians went and killed and massacred hundreds of thousands of Muslims, and a student feels bad about that, does that mean, you know, a teacher's going to be sued over teaching the facts of history? This is a big question that needs to be answered. Like, but that's also where we're going. We're going to the extent to try and take away the facts of history. We're trying to propose bills and laws to prevent teaching the truth. And what gets me is they're like, hey, you don't need to worry about these bills because nobody's ever going to do any of this. And I'm sitting there going like, but what happens when they do? What happens when we have teachers getting sued for teaching about the civil rights movement? What happens when we have teachers, you know, getting, you know, 
put on trial because they said, you know, the massacre of the Indians was a bad thing. And we need to learn from it. I remember last year um, when we had the presidential election. These were the words I said. I literally said these words. Because, you know, we were following the election. Who was going to be our new president? All right? We were looking at the political maps because it's a great learning opportunity to learn how our election system works. And after Trump was declared the winner, I, I said that in my class. I said, you know, based on the votes and everything that's taken place, based on our electoral college, this shows how Biden won the election. All right? That's facts. That's stuff that happened. That's how the states reported. That's factual stuff. That's not my opinion. That's not, you know, anything. That's what the facts said. And I had a parent call up and try and have me fired because I had said Trump lost the election. Like, that's where teachers are, is we have to be careful. We have to be careful what we say because who knows how people will interpret it. Now, I do everything I can to make sure my students are educated and ready, not only for knowing the facts and tests, but for real life. We take the civil rights movement and we apply it to our daily lives. We take what happened to Native Americans and apply it to our daily lives. Because that's what we need to do as teachers. We need to empower our students to think, to process, to fight, to advocate for what they believe in. We need to show them that they can fight for things that are good. When we talk about the civil rights movement, we talk about martyrs. We look at all the people that died fighting to bring civil rights to the United States, to bring equality. Because when I teach, you know, this ideology, you know, of civil rights, I have to make them look. We look at that picture, you know, that says the white drinking fountain and the colored drinking fountain. Because it's more than just African Americans. If you were a different color, a different gender, you were also facing prejudice, if you were Native American, Hispanic, Asian, if you were not white during this time period, you suffered. But that's why the Civil Rights Movement is so beautiful. It didn't stop at African Americans. Cesar Chavez leads for Hispanic workers. The group that is known as the ADA, the Americans with Disabilities Act, fights for equality in 1972. They do a sit-in for over 30 days to bring awareness and support for people with disabilities. Because in America at that time period, we just put people in institutions to die. They fought for what they believed in. And not only that, they had to fight for another almost 25 years before it was enforced. Passed in 1972 and acted in 1994. But that was brought about because there was a civil rights movement. Because people believed there should be this thing called equality. There should be this thing as simple fairness. The people should be able to be who they want to be. To follow their dreams, and it shouldn't matter what color their skin are, what gender they are. We are human beings. We have cultures that are beautiful. We have passions, desires. We have so much to offer to this world that is being limited because of this epic battle that's still going on. Over 60 years later, we still fight racism. Over 60 years later, we fight women inequality. 60 years later, we still have persecution of the LGBT community. 30, literally 60 years later, we still have people with disabilities fighting for equality. We cannot give up. 
It's hard. I know it. It's difficult. I know. But there are so many people that have worked so hard to make sure that these students can sit in these chairs and get a good education. The public school system is one of the greatest inventions of all time because it says every child. Every child should get an education. We as America, Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, Socialists, anybody who you represent needs to come together and say, hey, let's fight for equality. Let's fight for what we believe in. Let's fight to get these kids where they need to be. Because our children should be a common goal for all of us. Our students should be an epic battle we fight for every single day. They need to be educated about what has happened in the past so that they can carry the torch of this idea of equality, of this idea of passion, of this idea of determination. We have so much to offer. So much to offer. Let's not limit ourselves because of our differences, but unite ourselves because of our uniquenesses. We need to come together as a nation. We need to put aside this whole, I'm a Republican, Democrat, let's stop fighting, and let's address the real, real issue of indifference. We don't want to cross the line because we're scared. We don't want to collaborate. We don't want to reach across the aisle because we have differences. And that's the thing that makes us so amazing are those differences. That's what should be uniting us right now. I know I've been on the soapbox for the last like three or four minutes, but I'm really strong in believing about how we as a community need to come together and support these children. They don't feel that way. I had a kid yesterday say, I'm not going to show up to a school board meeting because they're going to tell me I'm 16 and I should go away. That's what they believe. That's ingrained in their minds that they are not good enough, and we have to change that. Well, guys, I have run out of time. Like, literally, my next class is about to start. I hope you have a great day. New episode will be coming out. You guys are phenomenal. Um, remember, socialslaughter77 at gmail.com for any questions. We're going to start a Q&A session here pretty soon where um, students will be asking questions specifically, and we'll answer them straight up. We'll hope to get that done, like, at least once a week, maybe biweekly. Um, do look out for the next episode that's going to be coming up because why? you need a second episode because we've been gone for two weeks because hopefully I'm going to have a baby soon. But it's been great. And I hope that you guys go out and be extremely good to each other. This is Social Slaughter. Slaughter out.